Amen. Let me invite you to pull out your note outlines this morning. We've got them tucked inside your bulletin. Thank you, Jim. All right, that sounds good. That way I won't trip over it. This is round two in a scheduled eight or nine rounder. Uncharted territory. We began last week. We're walking through the first few chapters in the book of Joshua. And it's based on the scripture. The title is based on the scripture that I've found in Joshua 3, 4 that says... We have never been this way before. Since you have never been this way before. And the premise is the whole idea is that each one of us is embarking in uncharted territory. That you are facing issues in your life, in your family, regarding your marriage, your finances, your job, your health. The season that you find yourself in, it's uncharted territory. You don't know what's going to happen. As I mentioned last Sunday morning, we're dealing with that as a nation. What's going to happen? How's this thing going to play out? What's going to happen in the midterm elections? Who's going to run in 2020? We don't know. We don't know. You know? What's going to happen with the stock market? Nobody knows. What's going to happen in terms of the weather? Hurricanes, wildfires? Nobody knows. North Korea and China, they're doing saber rattling. Is there going to be some sort of war or incursion is the United States going to be at risk? We don't know. It's uncharted territory. We don't know. You see, we're doing the very same thing Joshua is doing. We have never been this way before in many ways. And then Joshua, for him, Moses has died. Remember, that's the only leader the nation ever, ever knew. That's the only guy they ever knew. How would you like to follow in his footsteps? And so Joshua's going, man, I mean, I've never done this before. I mean, will, will they have the same regard and respect for me they had for Moses? And not only that, but I'm, I'm dealing with the whole Moses issue, but now I'm facing this, this flooded Jordan River, and, and if I can ever figure out how we're going to get across that thing, next is this walled city over there, this, this fortress, Jericho. Now what? How is it? I mean, I don't It's uncharted territory. And believe you me, he's going to be having some concerns. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I've themed this fighting fear. Fighting fear. What, what are we going to do? How, how do I do this thing? Man, I'm just a rookie. Follow along in your text. Pull out your pen or your pencil, whatever you're using. I'd like you to interact with the text. Beginning at Joshua chapter 1, you'll find a text printed in your note outline. I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of interacting with it as I read. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, isn't it good to know that after loss that God still speaks? After loss, God still speaks. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, Aren't those two great words? Now then, fill in the blank with what you're facing. This is the issue. This is your presenting problem. And God says to you this morning, all right, I understand. I get that. Now then, 
you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set what? Your foot. We talked about that last Sunday, remember? Incrementally, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea, the Mediterranean on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. By the way, notice the constant. My circumstances will change what does not change. God doesn't change. See, you're, you're going through shifting circumstances right now. Your circumstances, your life condition. I got a telephone call. We were out for dinner with uh, Mark and Kelly Esch Friday night. We get a telephone call. So I told some people in Sunday school this morning, usually I get a telephone call that I don't recognize. What do you do? Yeah, you ignore it. You just push the button and ignore it. This one says Goshen, Indiana. So what's your response? I better answer this thing. It's Ron Brenizer. Ron Brenizer. Pastor Joel, yeah, this is Ron Brenizer. Hey, Ron, how you doing? You know, you get a call like that, you think, this, this can't be good. Roberta fell and broke her hip. I'm rushing her to the hospital. Circumstances shift, see. Now what? What do you do? Poor Ron just did you know, what, what do I do? We're going to have surgery tomorrow morning. She's uncumulative. Blood thinner. Can't do it. She's in surgery right now, Sunday morning. Before you, I mean, when she got up that morning, she didn't think, you know what, I, I'm wondering if I'm going to break a hip today. See, you're not only dealing with issues right now, circumstances, but there are, there are things ahead of you that you can't anticipate. And guaranteed, those will come into your life. Wow, I'm just grateful that I haven't broken my hip. I just, I'm just grateful that our family, you know what, your turn's coming. If you're not facing it now, you will. Then what? Well, I need to remember that circumstances change, God doesn't. Hmm? Get your pencil out, number six, verse six. Circle the phrase, be strong. Would you do that? Circle the phrase, be strong. And courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Verse 7, what's the first two words? Be strong, circle it. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do, obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. That's a Hebrew idiom. Kind of like we have idioms like it's raining cats and dogs. We have a... English idioms. This is a Hebrew idiom. Do not turn from the right or to the left. It's kind of a phrase they use. That you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? What's the next two words? Be strong. Circle it. And courageous, underline this phrase, do not be terrified. Would you underline that phrase, please? Put a rectangle around the next phrase, 
do not be discouraged. Rectangle, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Now, I'd like to suggest to you this morning that Joshua, he put on his sandals one at a time just like you and I did. I mean, this isn't some kind of Superman. This is a regular normal guy. And he is going through some very real senses of loss, uncertainty, and emotion. So if you look on your note outline, if we can look at the next screen, please, what are some of the things that Joshua was feeling? What would Joshua have been feeling? Well, first of all, number one, he's going to feel weaknesses. Why? Because he knows his own inadequacies. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I've never led this many people before. I'm not Moses. God is not calling you to be someone else. He's calling you to be you. See? I'm not asking you to be Moses. Joshua, I'm asking you to be you. How many times did you circle the phrase, be strong? Three. Why Why would God say three times? Remember, Hebrew literature, Hebrew grammar is, for emphasis, they do things in triplicate. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's just, it's just the way that the, the style of their grammar, they do things in triplicate for emphasis. Triads are called, grammatical triad. Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Why is God saying that? This is why. Because, or rather, be strong, be strong, be strong, because he's weak. You don't say be strong to somebody who's Superman. You don't say to Superman, be strong. You say that to somebody who isn't feeling strong, see. And right now, if I don't miss my bet, concerning one of the challenges that you're facing right now, you're not exactly sure what to do. You're feeling terribly inadequate. Your feet are firmly planted in midair, going, I don't know what to do. I, in fact, I don't know if I can do this. I'm feeling like that as I'm walking into a seventh grade English class tomorrow. Pray for me. I, I, don't, I, don't, know what, I, told you, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Lord's saying to me this morning, look, I understand that you're feeling weak and inadequate. But sometimes, Joel, I put you in positions where you feel over your head to force you to, to, to depend upon me. Think about that. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe the situation, the presenting issue in your life, that God has purposely placed that in your path to cause you to realize, I, I'm inadequate. Congratulations. I'm glad you now realize that. Now you get to depend upon me. See, if you could handle every ground ball that was hit to you and throw it first and make the out, you wouldn't need the Lord. In fact, we would probably be some of the most arrogant people on the face of the earth. I can deal with every problem that comes my way. 
But at least I'm not like that. How about you? You may be sitting there going, seventh graders, dude, they're 12 and 13. Come on. Want to trade? Man. One of the boys said to me this week, Mr. D, your hair looks a lot whiter. You must be under stress. Sit down, Latavian. <laughs> Number two, Joshua on your screen. Joshua felt fearful because he, he's facing a daunting task. I got to take Moses' place. Okay, I'm carrying that one. Oh, swollen Jordan River. Not good. Okay, I got to take Moses' place, swollen Jordan River. After that, I'm good to go. Nah, there's Jericho. And beyond that, giants in the land. Oh, man. And suddenly his worry list, he's running out of fingers and toes. See? He's facing a daunting task. Notice in verse 9, what was the, what was the phrase you underlined? Do not be what? Well, is, it, is that not what fear is? Incidentally, jot in your margin, the word in Hebrew literally means broken into pieces. Broken into pieces. At this point, Joshua is a broken man. By the way, the Lord has to break you to use you. We see it in the woman who anointed Jesus breaks the vial, anoints him. In order for the oil in the vial to be used, it had to be broken. For Jesus to be used as Savior, he had to be broken. Brokenness is what leads to usefulness. Joshua is broken. I have just lost my mentor and best friend. I've got to somehow lead these two million people. They're looking to me, get across that swollen river. I, what are we going to do about Joshua? I mean, about Jericho, boss. Jericho's right on the other side of the river. I'm still worried about the river. He's a broken man. See? And, and God will cause us to go through brokenness in order to use us. Number three, what did you put a rectangle around? Do not be discouraged. Why would God say that to him? Well, probably because he was discouraged. You know, you don't say to somebody who's clapping their hands and having a great time, don't be discouraged. No. He was discouraged, which is why the enemy must say this. By the way, this probably is one of the main tools in Satan's arsenal that he uses on me. Now, I don't know how you're wired up, but discouragement, with my temperament and personality, discouragement is one of the things that I've got to really deal with. And maybe sometimes the twin cousin, twin cousins, depression. Now see, Judy doesn't deal with discouragement and depression like I do. She's got issues all of her own. 
So I'm not, I'm not sure if you're a worry wart, if you're a person that gets discouraged, or if you're a person that feels inadequate. Maybe you're saying they're going, I'm all three. Well then, good. Because you're the kind of person the Lord's going to use, just like he used Joshua. See? So how does this thing, how does this thing work? How does Joshua get from being... I'm feeling inadequate, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I don't know what to do, I'm uncertain, I'm fearful, I'm a worrywart, I'm, I'm broken. How does he get from there to being the leader God wants him to use? It's in the passage. Watch. Here we go. Next screen. How does Joshua overcome weakness, fear, and discouragement? Remember the the, the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 10 says the Old Testament was given to us for our instruction. These aren't just stories for the flannel graph crowd or VBS. See, it's given for our instruction. Well, the first way that God used, and by the way, this is the key for us, we have got to recognize that God's presence will always be with us. Look in verse 5. As I was with Moses, what? So I will be with you. And by the way, what's the last part of verse 5 say? I will never, what? Leave you nor forsake you. Does that ring a bell that somebody else says this at some point in the Bible? Behold, I will be with you always, even till the end of the age. By the way, last words of Jesus before he's taken up into heaven. Isn't it interesting? Jesus basically is quoting his father at the point of his ascension. Isn't it interesting? The new passage for today was verses 5. Remember last week we did verses 1 through 4. Verses 5 through 9. 5 through 9. Isn't it interesting the passage begins with the Lord saying, So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's verse 5. Look at verse 9. The Lord will be with you. The Lord God will be with you wherever you go. Isn't it interesting? The passage begins with the promise of God's presence, ends with the promise of God's presence. Apparently this is a big deal. Now, here's how it works. Notice in verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Here's a question I'm going to ask you. Do you see any connection between verse 5 and verse, verse 6? Such as cause and effect. I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. Any connection between that? If I'm not feeling strong and not feeling full of courage, chances are it's because I'm not believing this thing. You're following me. If I'm not feeling strong and courageous and confident, I apparently have forgotten the fact that the Lord will be with me. See, that's, that's what's missing from the equation as you're walking through this issue you're dealing with. Because if this morning you come in here kind of dragging your tail going, gosh, I'm just kind of discouraged and I'm, I'm worried sick and I got this issue I'm dealing with and this issue and I don't know what to do and I'm uncertain and oh man, it, 
here's where you got, here's where you got yourself in a ditch. You, ha- you are failing to remember that the Lord is with you. And going before you. As a matter of fact, look at the next screen. A failure to remember God's presence will ultimately lead to fear and discouragement. So if you find yourself living in the last two lines on the screen, it's because you're hiccuping on the first two lines on the screen. Because what you're doing is, and this is where I'm dropping the ball, I'm thinking when I'm going to Ring Lardner Middle School tomorrow and up in Niles, Michigan, that I've got to figure out how to handle this thing. That it's up to me. That I've got to solve this thing and crack this thing and figure out how to keep from getting duct taped to the wall. See? And the Lord's going, whoa, 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 whoa. This is it, number one. Remember, Joel, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And secondly, have I not promised that I'm going to go with you? I got this thing. You're going to be all right. Just as I was with Moses and Joshua and Paul, and I'm going to be with you. You're not facing this thing alone. It's not up to you, buddy. You think it is, but it's not. My response to the Lord is, yeah, but you're invisible and I'm not. I understand. That's why you got to walk by faith. So often we think, Lord, I've got to hold on to your hand harder. The reality is, he's holding on to yours. I shared this, I think, a number of months ago. We went to Culver's with our grandchildren and, our, and our, our boys and their families, and so we're getting ready to cross the parking lot, and everybody's parked on one side, and we're getting out of our cars and crossing the parking lot. I got five little grandkids. So I, I took a hold of little Bree. Little, she's five or six or something. Took a hold of her. You know how you, you're just not holding onto her fingers or her hand. You're like grabbing her whole arm, you know. Well, she's, she's holding my hand, but... The reality is, I got her. We're crossing the parking lot. We get into Culver's, and she turns to Judy, and she goes, Grandma, I was holding Grandpa's hand. And I look at Judy and said, Who was holding on to who? See, what you think is, I, I don't want to lose grip on the Lord. Who's holding on to who? See, you need to remember, he has got a firm grip on you. See, I got this thing, Joshua. You're going to be all right. I got this thing. This says more about me than you, Joshua. Number two. I want to show you something rather intriguing from the text. Number two is by realizing God's promise will be faithfully fulfilled. you look, 
God begins speaking at verse 2, and he doesn't finish until verse what? Look at the direct quotes. God begins in verse 2. When does God's speech end? Verse 9. See it? Because verse 10 is now a declarative sentence. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, and so on and so forth. Now, I want to go back in verse 1, and I, let's... If there's a promise in that verse, I want you to put a P in the margin next to the verse. You ready? P for promise. Here we go. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river into the land I am about to give them. P or not? Yeah. Put a P in the margin in front of verse 2. I'm going to give them the land. Verse 3. I will give you every place you set your foot as I promised... Ding, ding, ding. Moses, does a P belong in the margin? Yes, it does. Put a P in front of verse 3. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, so on and so forth. Is that a promise? Put a P in front of verse 4. No one will be able to stand up against you. P or not? Yeah, put a P in front of verse 5. Be strong and courageous in verse 6 because you will lead these people to inherit the land. P or not? Yes, or Put a P in front of verse 6. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to, to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to the left or to the right, that you may be successful. Is there a promise there? Yes, there is. Put a promise in front of P in front of verse 7. How about verse 8? Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, so on and so forth. Then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. Put a P. And now we get to verse Nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong, courageous, don't be terrified, don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God, what? Now, isn't that interesting? Every single sentence, and in our versions, verse that God speaks includes a promise. Do you think that's purposeful? Would God have done that for a reason? Yes. You see, what he's saying to Joshua is, you've got to realize God is a God of promises. And that as we claim his promises, we can continue to be strong and courageous. What is the promise you need to claim about the issue you're facing in your life, your marriage, or your family? You may be thinking, okay, all right, I, I get that. But I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. Neither did Joshua. What, by the way, what did God say to Joshua? This is what you're going to do next. Incidentally, it's found in verse 2. Now then... Get ready to cross the Jordan. Well, man, I don't know how it's flooded out. Don't worry about it. Get ready to cross. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's really really deep, and I mean, it's we don't have a boat. Get ready to cross the Jordan. But once we get across, I mean, I'm, I'm, I see this walled sit. Don't worry about that. All I'm asking to do is take the next step. Leave the river crossing to me. 
Leave the Jericho issue to me. And by the way, the giants in the land, remember those? Yeah, I remember. Leave those to me. All I want you to do is take a step. God is not asking you to solve the problem. See, you're already worrying about the river, the fortress on the other side, and the giants in the land. And he's saying to you, don't worry about that. All I'm asking you to do is just take a little step. Remembering, I'm going to be with you, I'm going in front of you, and I've made promises to you. That's all I'm asking you to do. All right. But what if the people start asking, well, don't worry about that. All right. So he whistles and says, brings in the guys and says, okay, guys, all the leaders, this is what we're going to do. I want you to go up and down the camp and through all the regiments and just tell the people we're going to cross the river in three days. Yeah, but what? I, get the people ready to cross the river. That's what we're that's what you that, But what else did God say? He didn't say much else. That's all you have to know today. The rest of it, God's going to take care of in due time. Let's just get ready. All right? See, for some reason, you and I feel I've got to solve it all. I've got to anticipate any kind of contingency. I've got to cover my bases or I'm going to look really silly. Well, what's so bad about looking silly? It's embarrassing. You see, I first need to remember that his presence is with me. Secondly, that his promises are going to be fulfilled. And number three, look on the screen, number three. Now God begins this whole issue of talking about the Bible. This book, verse 8, Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Think about that. This book of the law shall not depart from... What? Now I understand. He says, this book of the law shall be hidden in your heart. I get that. It's not what he says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth? What? So it's not to depart from my mouth, meditate upon it day and night so that you'll be able to obey it. What's going on? Well, I think when he says it shall not depart from your mouth, it means I need to discuss it. One of the keys... I need to talk about the scripture and God's promises with other people and with myself. My former pastor said, you need to keep preaching the gospel to yourself every day. I, I need to do, to do self-talk regarding the scriptures. Judy and I will talk with each other about our devotions. 
oh, I just found something today. I just, man, get this. Look at this. See, I, I need to discuss it. I need to keep processing it and thinking about it. That's what meditating on, on it means. And then I will obey it. Check out this box. Because God knows something. As I discuss God's word with myself, with Judy, with you, with other people, we're in a small group, every other week we meet on a Friday night and we process this stuff. As I discuss it, as it's in my mouth, it makes me think about it more, which increases my obedience quotient. If I find that I'm not obeying God's word, I'm probably violating the first two lines. Because he says to Joshua, this is how it's going to be successful. A, remember that I'm with you. My presence is with you just like I was with Moses. B, I've made promises to you. But C, you've got to be talking about this, processing it and thinking about it, and then you'll obey it. That's how you're going to get through it. But yeah, but what about the river? Don't worry about the river. See, you're worried about the wrong thing. You worry about the... the Joshua, remember I'm with you. I've given you promises. Immerse yourself in the scriptures. You're going to be just fine. This is my battle, Jack, not, not yours. And by the way, the lessons of Jericho teach us that, huh? And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. How do you deal with walled cities? Build bigger battering rams. Build siege engines. Teach people how to use a crossbow. It's not how they won Jericho. See? Those are using human ingenuity. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So the way I'm going to deal with the issues in my life, I don't know what to do. God goes with me. He's given me promises. And I need to immerse myself in the scriptures and talk about them myself and with other people. Tell you what, you do that, you're on your way. Sound like a plan? Let's pray. Father, the reality is we all feel inadequate. We're all fearful. We live in uncertain times. Lord, this is uncharted territory for our nation, our family, our own health. Our finances, our future, we, we don't know. Lord, if we're not careful, we can become overwhelmed and feel extremely inadequate. It can tend to take away our swagger, which isn't a bad thing. Lord, I pray that we can learn the lessons that Joshua had to learn early on. Keep reminding us that you're always with us. Help us, Lord, to bank on your promises and then to immerse ourselves in your word, talk about it with other people, and keep preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. Thank you for these reminders. In Jesus' name, amen. To please stand to your feet, extend your hands to me. I will bless you. And then when we're done, 
doing this blessing you can say and also to you may you have hope renewed remembering God's presence his promises and his power every day this week amen God bless you have a wonderful week